Hello and welcome to the Cheap Seats Podcast. I'm Brett McKay. The State of Origin series is on the line, but you'd hardly know it. Uh, Joining (laughs) me is the man who is only now breathing easier that we've made good on his pledge to be back on before State of Origin 2. Sports writer and over-promiser, Ryan O'Connell. <laughs> Hello, mate. How are you? Ooh, it was touch and go there for a while, too. <laughs> what are we? Not quite 24 hours. <laughs> Broken promises are our I, specialty, though, so... I sort of I sort of half envisage getting a phone call about half-time on Wednesday night going, shit, we didn't do a podcast! Yeah. <laughs> uh, dear. Uh, it, uh, but it's it's been a, it's been a really funny build up. We'll just get we'll just get straight into this, mate. It's been a really yep. funny build up to, to game two. New South Wales are one up going into game two in Sydney. Why does this feel like a toss of a coin prediction? Yeah, well, I guess from a prediction point of view, any time you can welcome back arguably the best player of all time in Jonathan Thurston mm. and possibly the best fullback of all time in Billy Slater. I would say those are two fairly handy additions. Even if he's top three. (laughs) Yeah, I'd say those are two fairly handy additions to a football side, and I think that just makes everyone kind of wince a little bit and go, ooh, even though New South Wales are at home and they dominated game one, they're two pretty big additions. And the other five changes they made were pretty positive ones as well, even though Queensland's loyalty was questioned. So I think that's just made everyone pause and go, ooh, that's a... You know, they, they could swing the favour back to Queensland. What did What did you make of the whole loyalty thing? You know? I, I always thought the loyalty thing was absolute BS. I think yeah. when you when you're winning, it's very hard to be loyal. And I mean, but uh, I mean, um, Queensland have made little tweaky changes after winning games. Yeah, it's actually one of those false narratives, to yeah. be honest. When you look at the changes that Queensland have made over the last, say, 10 years, they have made subtle little changes here and there uh, and dropped players that may be out of form or just getting a little bit long in the tooth. Um, there's just this narrative that Queensland are loyal. And I think the big-name players didn't change, which gives the perception that yeah. there was always stability. But there were all players around the fringe that have, that have changed over the years. You're quite right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I can't remember if it was last year or the year before, and, and someone can very happily prove me prove me wrong or right on this. I just seem to recall an article coming out of probably the Courier Mail in Queensland, saying that, <laughs> basically debunking the whole theory theory from from Sydney, saying that you know Queensland are Queensland are always loyal, and it basically said that to that point in time, and, and even even narrowing it down to you know this. The, the Queensland run at the time, there wasn't that much difference in the number of players used. Like, no, like New South I, Wales had used more, but it wasn't by the ridiculous amount that you think it might have been. No, I, re- I remember the article you spoke about because it was one of those aha moments almost yeah. where, where, where a lot of the Queensland fans go, oh, see, we have been loyal. Yeah. Uh, sorry, we haven't been as loyal as you make out and we have made changes when need be. So as, as I said, when you don't change the core uh, components of that team or the spine or whatever kind of... Uh, acronym or name you want to give it, mm. uh, it does create the perception that they've been more loyal, but they have made changes. Mm. So, um, and you know, it was quite surprising in that article that you talk of that New South Wales wasn't that far ahead, even though they were riding a seven-year losing yeah, stretch. Yeah, and and I and I remember years ago writing writing an article about the number of like one Origin players. Yeah, um, and and at that point, and this is you know six or seven years ago. This is probably longer than that even. And and at that point, New South Wales had a heap more. 
In fact, I think yep. I had to bend my own rules in order to get a couple of Queenslanders in that had actually played a couple of games. <laughs> so it's, it's funny. That it's not like you to break the own premise of your own article. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I was I was young. I needed the money. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so it's. I mean, it's 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 really interesting. What's um. There was an interesting graphic. Did you see that that up on Twitter the other night that showed the the split, like like the the, the split of where the tickets in Sydney are being sold? To, no, to I didn't. Two. Did I didn't you see that? that? No. The, the 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 big thing coming out of it was that people in the eastern suburbs and the city accounted for about seven percent of total ticket sales. <laughs> uh, well, that's somewhat unsurprising. Yeah. In, in yeah. some respects, I mean. And, and, and the uh, blue collar western suburbs game in, in and, Sydney, and that's overwhelmingly where the you know, where the I think I think like like northwest and southwest accounted for about forty five percent of all ticket sales. It was yeah right. It was quite it was quite astonishing. So yeah, there you go. So how do you how do you see this playing out? How how does here's here's the next big question. Mm-hmm. Why would New South Wales? And yeah, sure, I've just left it in for the last episode. Why would yeah. why would New South Wales win it? Look, I th- that game one, New South Wales didn't have a poor player. I think everyone did their role, and, and they had uh, contributions from 1-17. to 17. However, there was one player, even above James Tedesco, who I think really stood out and took the game by the scruff of the neck and dominated, and that was Andrew Fafita. Mm. I think when you have a, a forward that big, uh, that dominating, who can also pop balls and is quite skillful in some respects, yeah. it's very hard to have a strategy against that. So if they're so big that you need to send multiple players towards them to bring them down that's fine but if they can also pop a ball that means they've got an immediate overlap so so he was almost the difference in many respects even when he wasn't central to the play if that makes sense because he was just so dominating he made big yards he made offloads um, and Queensland didn't really have an answer for him all night long now, if they continue to not have an answer for him, then New South Wales will win because he, he, he makes other players around him better. And as I said before, he's one of those rare front rowers who is a game winner. Mm-hmm. Um, the game winners normally come from the halves or the fullback or, or somewhere else. It's rare that you find a, a match winner up front, but that's exactly what Andrew mm-hmm. Feeder is. And if Queensland don't have an answer for him in game two and he can have somewhat a similar performance... New South Wales will go a long way to, towards winning the game again, and that's and that's going to be it. Even if he only plays to eighty percent of game one, <laughs> that would still be pretty good. He's going to have a pretty strong night, isn't he? So yeah, yeah. Look, it's 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 really interesting. Will do, do New South Wales go into it thinking, well, we know what we need to do. We just did that last time. Yeah. You know, do, do they go in thinking that that they've got Queensland's measure, or do they go in with a completely new approach? Well, it's a million-dollar question, isn't it? Yeah. Do, you, do you stick to what to what works, or do you assume that Queensland will come with something different and will come with a game plan to, to, to combat how well you did in Game 1, and therefore you need a plan B up your sleeve? Um, I think Laurie Daly and the coaching staff would be well aware that Queensland will try to shut down a lot of the things that New South Wales did well. I'm sure they've watched a lot of film from that Game 1, Queensland, yeah. um, and will be looking for little things and big things that they can do differently to try and combat how well New South Wales played um, but by the same token if you're New South Wales you don't want to go too far away from what worked if you're onto a winning formula and some type of strategy and tactics that worked um, you'd be crazy to move away from it so there will be a lot more maybe tactics than you normally see in an origin game mm. uh, which is normally you know fire and brimstone for the first 20 minutes and then wait till people tire out and then w- win the war of attrition but there might be a little bit more coaching required in this game 
Yeah, yeah, and, and that's and that's going to be interesting, I think. And, and actually, if New South Wales will happen to win it, it'll be really interesting to see the perception and maybe perception change of Laurie Daly's coaching ability. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're right. Yeah. So why will Queensland win it? Look, we touched on it before, but if you welcome Thurston and Slater back, I just think the impact that they might have on the game. So if you just break down those two individuals, I think the return of Thurston frees Cooper Cronk up a little bit, yeah. and I think he had a pretty subpar game in game one by his standards. Because he, so I think, he didn't look like he was overplaying, but he certainly looked like he was playing a lot, if that, had, yeah, that makes it, sense. I think he was asked to do a little bit too much. I was yeah. at that game, and it wasn't like Milford was playing in the halves. He was kind of playing like a free-roaming kind of player, which means Cooper Cronk had to do a lot of the, the halves work on both sides of the ruck. So mm. I think having Thurston back will free Cooper Cronk up, which, which yeah. immediately makes Queensland better. Just having Thurston back, though, obviously makes them better. That's a kind yeah. of a stupid thing to say. And then Billy Slater, I think a lot's been said about his support play and his pace, and you know he's lost a slight yard now that he's a bit older. Older, but I think where they really feel him is in defence, his ability to communicate and yeah, bark out yeah. orders, and be in the right position, and then have the speed to get to the right position. Um, his ground coverage and his field position is probably the best I've ever seen, and I yeah. think that adds a lot to a team. So, yeah, add those two players, and geez, you, you'd be a brave man to pick against Queensland, to be honest. Yeah, he'll he'll, um, he'll add a degree of um, confidence and direction and structure. Confidence. Yeah, at the, the back that Darius Boyd just doesn't. Just yeah, doesn't you hear a lot of I hear a lot of the younger players that play with Billy Slater just say how much impact he has by making sure that you're in the right position. Yeah. and it's not that he yells at you or anything. He, he just knows where you should be, and he's got that great vision from the back, and he tells people where they should be, and it just gives you that confidence to know he's back there and kind of leading from the back. If that makes any sense whatsoever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, where are you watching game two from? I'll be watching. Are you, from uh, are, you, are, you, are you are you are you living it up in corporate land again? <laughs> uh, no, I was at corporate land on Saturday for the Wallabies and corporate land for game one. But I'll be watching game two from uh, home because I have to uh, look after my kid. <laughs> Gee, life's tough, isn't it, Ryan? Yeah, I tell you what. If she wakes up during the game, she'll be going straight back to bed with a little shot of scotch or something. I think. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you can send all your childhood child raising complaints to Ryan Oak, care of the Cheap Seats podcast, post office box one in your capital city. <laughs> wow, I don't, I don't know where to go from that. Well, I'm going to put it back on you quickly. What's your prediction? Um, I've just I've just got a sneak suspicion Queensland win it. Yeah. Me too. I think Queensland will win by six. Yeah, I, I was going to say like, like maybe a try, like like you know maybe only four. Um, yeah, I, I don't right. think there'll be much in it at all. In fact, it it wouldn't even surprise me if we went to Golden Point. Yeah, right. Well, I mean, if it does get tight, especially down the stretch, um, Queensland's leadership and experience with Slater and Thurston back in that team. Yeah with the Cameron Smith and your Cooper Cronks. Uh, this New South Wales team was very impressive in game one, um, but they weren't put under pressure from a scoreboard no. point of view. They were too dominant. And, so and that's, that that's going to be the thing. If they can get out to a lead again, like if they can get out fine. to 10-0, to, to 12-0, um, then, then they're probably good enough to hold on. Yep. If they, even if they score first and Queensland hit back within minutes, then it's effectively nil all. 
Yeah, look, you don't want to take anything away from New South Wales first um, uh, the performance in the first game, but if this is tight with five minutes to go, I'm backing a team with Cam Smith, Cooper Cronk, Billy Slater, and Jonathan Thurston yeah. over Mitchell Pearce, um, Nathan Peets, uh, and you know Tedesco and Maloney actually a little bit more experienced, a little bit more maybe reliable. But she's yeah. from an experience point of view in a big game like that, probably oh, eighty thousand, yeah. ninety thousand there. I'll be trusting those Queensland four players. Yeah, there probably won't be ninety thousand there in an eighty-three thousand seat stadium. <laughs> I did say eighty to ninety. <laughs> We're rounding Just up now. In the roundabout. Yeah, now, actually, mate, it'll, it'll, be, it'll, to, be, it'll uh, be interesting to see what the crowd is like, actually. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see whether it gets, you know, north of 75. Yeah, I'd be shocked if it's lower than 75, to be honest. Mm. Yeah, we'll see. Speak, um, speak. Wait up, wait up, wait up. Oh, oh, here we go. There's the, the biggest question of the night. Yes. Kick-off bingo. Oh, <laughs> now, I said 8.23 last time, yeah. and it started earlier, did it not? Yeah, I think it was 8.21. Yeah, I'm going to go in Sydney. They're a little bit more... Uh, <laughs> they're worse than Queensland. I'm going to go 8.25. Yeah, they're, no, they're going to be tardy. I think Oh right. yeah, yeah, of I course. you're right. Um, I'm very quickly going back to see what it was. Actually, it was 8.16 last time. There you go. That, that's pretty good. That would have been one of the earliest starts over the last couple of years. Oh, by a, a long way. Margin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I'll go 8. 21. There you go. <laughs> okay. 8.21. 8, what did you say? 8.25. Yeah, 8.25. Wow. You have no faith at all. No, none. Zero. Now, mate, I've got to do this. Yeah. I know we're mates. Yeah. You know I love you. Yeah. Righto. We've got I, to talk I about the Wallabies. I don't think I like where this is going. We've got to talk about the Wallabies, mate. Do we have to? <laughs> yeah, we do. Oh. Uh, look, we were both at that game on Saturday. I was... We I was seated um, right was, in line where, where you, you were on the sidelines. throwing things at the back of my head, which was rather annoying. Yeah, I can assure you. I was aiming for the Wallabies. Um, <laughs> you custard arm. Now, mate, this is... Um, look, this is not necessarily a question I wanted to ask, but have the Wallabies hit rock bottom? Oh, God, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if it gets lower than this, we're in trouble. Oh, I mean, yeah, I don't... That was just... I don't even know where to start with that on the weekend. It was just... Like, it wasn't as if they... Like, they weren't rubbish for 80 minutes. Let's... I agree. Let's just make that clear. But the problem was that they would... They'd be good for about four minutes and then just almost non-existent for, for two or three and then they'd be bad for five or six and then they'd sort of do nothing again and then they'd be, you know two minutes of good play again and you know there was just there was just always something to let down a promising phase if that makes if that makes sense like you know early on in the first half they uh, and it happened happened all down in, in in front of me basically they had had three consecutive driving malls and the, the third one when they were probably maybe a meter a meter and a half from the line at the you know as, as they as they took it down as they got the got them all moving at the transfer back to to the back of it they lost they, they lost contact with the ball and knocked it on yeah and i think yeah, yeah it's what what's interesting from being at the game and not listening to the commentary is you do actually just have your own personal opinion of how the game played you're not yeah. biased or influenced by how the commentary and i had i had four key things that came out of the game the one thing for me is that they've lost all patience if yeah. nothing happens for four or five phases, they start to do some pretty low percentage stuff, or yep. they kick it away, and it just uh, you know you go back to the Rod McQueen 
era Wallabies. I know Robbie's changed a lot since then, but 20 phases was not uncommon. They didn't lose well, their you, patience. If you, back then, and you don't have to go back to the, you know, 10 years ago, if you held the ball for 15 phases, you scored a try. Yeah. You couldn't, you couldn't not score a try after holding the ball for 15 phases. Now it's nothing for a team to get up to 18, 20, 25 phases at times and then have nothing to show for it. Still be yeah. 20, 20 metres away from the line. And yeah. th- and that's that's obviously an improvement in modern defence. But you're right. I mean, the Falau's second try, the 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 mark of the year contender, yeah. which was which was fantastic. Let's not take any yeah. anything away from that. But if Bernard Foley didn't, if he if he looked in just a little bit closer, he would have noticed that Dane Halepetti was unmarked in between mm-hmm. him and Foley. Yeah. Now. Now maybe he kicked because he couldn't get the pass to to to, to Hale Petty. I suspect that might be the case, given the way he had to throw the pass for Falau's yep. first try. Yep. But like you talked about, high risk, potentially low percentage play. It yep. doesn't get much more high risk than a kick to the corner, does it? No. Yeah. I mean, you could argue that you know kicking to Falau isn't as high risk as maybe other players in, in the lineup. Yeah, um, but but yeah, it's certainly. Maybe. Oh, there was certainly a number of times when the wrong option was taken, yep. and I wouldn't say razzle dazzle is probably too melodramatic, but some options that are low percentage compared to, you know, just holding onto the ball and getting some, you know, some phases yep. and you know tiring the Scotland defence yep. out. And I should, we should both say actually Scotland were phenomenal. Oh, they I were. Thought they they were, were I thought they were really, really good. Yeah, I, I very deliberately watched them the week before uh, when they played Italy and Singapore, and I couldn't help. But be impressed with what with, with just it's just a really simple game plan, yeah. and they did exactly the same thing against the Wallabies, and it worked exactly the same way. It was just yeah. as effective. And and as uh, yeah, I said to you on Saturday that number ten might be my new rugby man crush, Finn, Finn Russell. Russell. Yeah, he was. He's Jeez, great. he was good. He's, he's just he's just really good. I just want to go back to to Falau's second try for a minute, mm-hmm. and, and I and I made this point on social media. This might be controversial, but the way that try was lauded as you know, uh, and and it and it was it was a it was a really really good moment. It was a genuinely great moment. Mm-hmm. That was Falau's one moment in the game. <laughs> yeah. He was ser- seriously he was the Wallabies' man of the match. They 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 paraded him out with his brand new Seiko watch, and he was the man of the match. That was all he did in that game. Well, he scored the first try too, didn't he? I know he didn't really do much. Just. Exactly. Full out's got but, the first try. Yeah, this, yeah. this, this, this is my, and this is the point I made in social media the other night. The way that that try was celebrated, over celebrated, is just it just speaks volumes about Australian rugby at the moment. Yeah, we, we yeah, I think latch, latch on to the smallest little moment of, um, of, of, you, know, of you know, of worthy celebration and blow it well out of proportion. <laughs> well, we are clutching at any yeah. type of positivity, and, and moment, it becomes let's be yeah, yeah, and it becomes self fulfilling because you know the the more the more desperate times become, the more you want to clutch onto something that was good, and the more you yep. over magnify it, and you know, on it goes, and on it goes. So, I just I was I was astounded when I saw Flower was named man of the match because yeah, fair enough, pretty quiet game. Mate, uh, we should touch on the fact that there was an ARU board meeting today. Oh, by the time you listen, this was would have been yesterday. Yeah, um, and Bill Pulver survived. Yeah, look, I'm 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 more stunned that people thought he'd be rolled. If I'm honest, 
That was, yeah. that, was that was never going to happen at that meeting. Uh, there, there was there, there was three resolutions put before the meeting, um, and the first two were very quickly knocked on the head because they were to guarantee there'll be five teams and to stop moves to colour team. Well, that was never going to happen because they've already told Sansa they're going to cut a team, so they could yeah. uh, they could hardly go back on their word at, at that point, even if they're. Yeah battling to do it and they're facing legal challenge they could ha- they were never going to stop the process to cut a team uh, and even if they wanted to move on pulver it had to be listed as a an agenda item essentially yep. even even though pulver came out and said if people in that meeting tell me it's time for me to go I'll go and that still didn't happen so it was it was never ever going to happen and I and I am surprised that people honestly thought he was going to lose his job today well I actually thought he might, to be honest. Did I you? thought he might. I thought he may not even get voted out, but he might fall on his sword, and there might be some tough decisions. He's, he's effectively done that by saying that he probably, probably, in almost, in all likelihood, won't seek renewal in February. Um, yeah, and, right. And that, and that may, okay. And that I may, didn't know that. And, that. and that may well mean that he actually steps down before Christmas. But you know, I, 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 I honestly didn't think we'd see any sword falling or anything like that today because well, because if he did because Rob Clark who was basically number two he resigned six weeks ago and he's, yep. he's already out the door if Pulver went today then what? then who's running well, who's running the already, already Ricky ship? well I heard whistles uh, whistles? I heard whispers whistles. of Raylene Castle who is the Bulldogs oh. CEO at present on the minute uh, a very good administrator I think she used to run New Zealand Netball she she's yeah. very well respected um, in that industry mm-hmm. and I've heard a few whispers that uh, she was going to replace before today so clearly they were way off the mark <laughs> but I guess I tell- it might have been if, if he resigned I guess I, te- I tell you what though they they would do wor- a hell of a lot worse than Sandra out for next year no, she's she's been great at the Bulldogs, and she's obviously resigned. I think she may be seen out the year, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think you're right. um, but she's done a fantastic job um, at the Bulldogs. Mm. So you know, a good administrator, and you know, maybe they need a little bit of fresh blood. Maybe, maybe. I, I just, I just hope, and this is what I wrote on the on the Raw on Tuesday today. Um, I just hope that they use that Scotland game effectively. That they use it as a. Uh, well, benchmark was the word I wanted to use. Um, you know, make make it the line in the sand. Let make yep. it make it the lessons to be learned going forward. So that you know, if they want to know what's going to happen if they turn in something substandard, that's what's going to happen. So I hope that's the case. And if they come out this weekend and put thirty on Italy, you know, all won't be rosy. Nothing, nothing will have changed. So I just, I just hope there's something out of it. One quick well, they question. say the day is darkest. What is it? Day is darkest before the dawn. Something so, like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, I can I can tell you what it was. Bloody dark this morning driving <laughs> driving into the ABC at four o'clock in the morning for breakfast. Um, now, uh, one quick question before we before we wind this thing up: the champion, yep. Champions Trophy wrapped up on the weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pakistan thumped India. Mm-hmm. It, effigies were burnt. Accusations of match match fixing were made, and that was by Indian fans. But now the the big news since then has been that it's probably going to be abandoned and likely replaced by a twenty team World Twenty Twenty competition. So Jeez, the question to you teams? is this: Yes, will anyone miss the Champions Trophy? <laughs> I'm sure Pakistan will, as the reigning premiers. Um, no, I don't think so. I think there's a 
a lot of meaningless cricket played around the world. And that was, and, the, um, that was the epitome and, of meaningless And cricket. this is right up there. I mean, what, what's, with a, the, what's with the white jackets at the present? Well, that's a tra- that is a tradition. I know, but the winners what's always get about? it. I don't know. <laughs> I'd love to be able to tell you. It was, it's, 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 it's been a bizarre look for the last three or four Champions Trophies and no less bizarre now. <laughs> Continues to be. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Anyway, that's us. Done. On the cheap seats right. this week and maybe for next week and, and, and until Ryan makes another promise about when we'll be back. <laughs> um, if there is a curly question you want us to tackle at some point in the near future, hit us up on Twitter at Cheap Seats Pod uh, and, and stay tuned there for, for, uh, for updates. As always... You can find us uh, on SoundCloud and iTunes and TuneIn Radio app and all that sort of stuff. Search for us as you always have. You can get Ryan on Twitter at Ryan Oak. You can get me on Twitter at BMC Sport. Uh, and until next time, whatever that is, I've been Brett McKay. He's been Ryan O'Connell. Stay cheap, peeps. Bye for now. Bye.